Trek Companion. This is episode 142. I'm your host, Brian Williams. I am Adam Caesar. I'm Stephen Embry. And today we're discussing Star Trek Enterprise's fourth season episodes, Borderland, Cold Station 12, and The Augments. Here we go. Borderland, Season 4, Episode 4, Production Number 404. Original air date, October 29th, 2004. Directed by David Livingston, written by Ken Lezebnik, music composed by Dennis McCarthy and Kevin Kiner. Guest cast include Brent Spiner as Dr. Eric Soong, Alec Newman as Malik, Abby Bramel as Percy's, Joel West as Raken, Dave Power as Ensign Jeffrey Pierce, Big Show as Orion Slaver 1, J.G. Hertzler as Klingon Captain, and Bobby Sue Luther as Orion Slave Woman. A pair of genetically enhanced humans, referred to as Augments, take control of a Klingon bird of prey warship after killing the crew. Aimed threats and protests by the Klingons, Starfleet tasks the newly refurbished Enterprise to stop the Augments. Captain Archer visits disgraced scientist Dr. Eric Soon, imprisoned for stealing Augment embryos, and transfers him from a holding facility to Enterprise. On board, Soon recognizes his Augments are responsible for the actions on board the Klingon vessel, but he does not know why. He convinces Archer that he will be able to order his children to stand down without a fight. They were Augments. Their genetically enhanced DNA matched embryos stolen from a medical facility over 20 years ago. Stolen by you. We're going to try and uh, do this keeping everything separate. Generally speaking, like this Borderland is the um, Orion slave bit and Cold Station 12 is the one at Cold Station 12. And then the last one is where um, the Augments are attempting to um, destroy the Klingon colony with the viruses and pathogens and whatnot. Um, the Augments. Um, so we're going to try and discuss them separately. Uh, there was some debate about whether we should, so there's going to be a little overlap is my point. And one mini, mini overlap I was thinking about rereading my notes for this episode. So in the, la- in the last one... When when Archer in the Enterprise are chasing down um, the Augments in the Klingon ship, isn't there some mention of like like soon says the Augments, we can't possibly overpower Enterprise. So that's why they have to drop the Denobulan scientist back in her vessel and you know strand on the planet to to um, distract uh, Enterprise. But in this episode we're discussing right now Borderland. The Orions overtake Enterprise and Fairly the easily. Augments. Yeah, and then the Augments defeat the Orions. Now, uh, you know, I remember math. It's a circle of life, Brian. If A yeah. equals B and B equals C, then A must equal C. Unless you're Probably. playing yeah, unless you're playing rock, paper, scissors. Oh. Okay. So in this scenario rock, paper, scissors thing. Got it. That makes sense then. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Brian, I think you're touching on a theme with these three episodes. As much as I love them all and I love the storyline they, they, they're doing here, and I really enjoyed all three. There's some whole, there's some kind of some weak, weak thing, plot points. There's some weak plot points throughout um, the three of these that I, I think you just touched on one of them. Um, but, yeah, I noticed like there were, there were some kind of like weak plot points that they could have done a better job with. But it didn't ruin the episodes for me. Well, you know – 
I, I, I always like to start off with positive things. And I should say, overall, I enjoy these three episodes. I do. Um, um, I think that the general concept of bringing augments from, like, you know, the, the eugenics wars time and these references to Space Seed, bringing them in uh, along with Soong's ancestor and mixing those two things together. I think that was pretty brilliant, actually. Um, I wish there was more um, out there about the production of this show that I could read up on, because I would have liked to have known a lot more about how that was all, the genesis of all that. Um, But I I do think as a concept, that was brilliant. I really do. Um, And I think that this, you know, this is the first of these, uh, of what, is going to set up season four, you know, all these little two and three parters. Um, and I think it's, you know, it's effective and it, and it really kind of defines season four in so many ways, you know, just, just watching these episodes talking about the look of them is different because of these HD cameras, you know, season four, season three, the Zindi arc, right. That's, that's, that's it, right. That's easy to say one and two, it's a little, but but season four does have its own um, stamp here, and and these episodes are are showing it to us. So I I enjoy it in that for these for these reasons, you know. Um, uh, Borderland, you know. So it's been a while since we've seen the Orions. Um, if you look at it, well, we we heard about them, right? They talked about the Orion Syndicate in DS9, but we never saw them, did we? I don't think. No. Um, we saw them in the original series. We saw them in the animated series. That's actually oddly what I remember them best for. I mean, I remember, of course, you know, Vina as a as a green Ryan slave girl. Everybody remembers that. But what I think I remember them best for was that animated <laughs> animated series episode. Um, maybe we should do the animated series after the original series someday. Hmm. Uh, you guys don't really like the animated series, though, do you? I don't think I've I don't just dis- I don't dislike it. No. Okay. Um. So, it is kind of cool seeing them, uh, the Orions and all that. Um, but mostly this episode is just fun to see, you know, soon for the first time. Mostly when, for it seems like when they're cutting back to the augments to show us that storyline during this episode. Um, they're not they're not terribly interesting to me. They look cool. They have that neat like you know Wrath of Khan. Um, look but until soon gets with them which doesn't really happen until the very very end of this episode so we don't really see that uh, i don't think they're that interesting but by the next episode they're pretty interesting i don't know the, the per- persis was that her name the girl mm-hmm. she's kind of cool um malik the main one <laughs> i don't think i don't feel like he has much of an arc like you know he, he's he's pretty much the same and and Fairly predictable, um, but Persis is kind of cool, and I kind of kind of like that actress. Maybe. Uh, what What are you guys' uh, thoughts on Borderland here? This this Orion one and, and the the setup in general between the Augments and Soong. I certainly remember it. You guys remember? I I remember seeing mm-hmm. the commercials for the first time and holy crap, Red Spider! Oh my mm-hmm. god! Yeah. And I remember being very crazy, like more excited about that than probably. It was probably the most excited I was to watch Enterprise since the very first episode. 
to be honest with you. I remember being crazy excited about this. Well, kind of first off, I kind of think they've they've taken some of the things that they did in season three, you know, the serialized type of um, these type of episodes. And, uh, you know, the, these three episodes are very, you know, back to back to back. You know, we talked about this about an hour ago, whether we were going to just do one long discussion or we were going to break them up because it's it's really almost like a mini movie within the within the season. And we're going to see that a couple of times in season four. So I kind of I think they kind of added on to what they did in season three, the serialized episodes. And they really did a good job with these three here. Um the the opening scenes with um, Archer and Sung in the cell, you know, you kind of get a little bit of like a, <laughs> not exactly like a little bit of a Hannibal Lecter feel, you know, he's doing his drawings and paintings and stuff like that. And, you know, Archer comes in and talk to him. Not that Sung was a serial killer that ate people, but I kind of well, got that feeling. Pause, pause for one sec. I want to talk just briefly then. It was kind of neat the way this episode opened. It felt different, right? I mean, mm-hmm. it opens with the augments on taking the Klingon vessel, but then, then we see soon, like yeah, the Hannibal Electric type bit, and then Archer comes in. It's almost in medias res, you know. I mean, it's almost like, um, it's not the way that they usually start Star Trek, or I mean, excuse me, it's not the way they usually start Enterprise. You know, like it's as if this story is bigger than Enterprise specifically, and yeah, that's really, not yeah. usually. It's the other way around. Yeah, I thought so too, and I think I think this is kind of like first off, it's this is kind of a Trek geek, it's a geek out kind of thing, right? Because you touched on all the things of what, how it touches on the uh, the history and the future history and all this kind of stuff and puts it all together, and it's quality and entertaining and you know Brent Spiner and all these different things, and I think from the tone is set right off, like you said, you know, with the way they take the Klingon ship and then you have. You know, you know, there's still, there's, um, you know, they haven't even launched the ship since all this, you know, started from the fourth season, and uh, he's vis- he's checking out soon in there and all that. So it's like you said, it does make it feel like, incidentally, this is Enterprise, but this is like a Trek history three parter thing. Not so, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, I thought, yeah, very entertaining, and it is cool how they started it off. Yeah, there's a lot of references, and you, you mentioned Space Seed. They actually mention Khan in mm-hmm. this in these in these series. Yeah, I mean that opens it seems really good. Um, the only kind of thing is I thought Archer might have trusted him a little too much. You know, he talked mm-hmm. about like, oh, I, I used a pad to reprogram all the locks in here, and I try to escape all the time. And then Archer's like, well, let's just put him on the ship and see what happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. You know. And he does try to escape after, uh, you know, in the Orion, you know, colony or whatever that is. Um, Archer actually does catch him. You know, I think I think that was unpredictable. Um, it's kind of comical too how he caught him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so specifically, like the Orions. Oh, well, you know what? I interrupted you, Caesar. You were kind of talking about the beginning. Was there? No, you go ahead. No, you go ahead. I mean, if you want to jump into the the Orion Orion stuff, stuff, you know, let's let's talk about that specifically a little bit since that's what this episode focused on. Um, Was that was that storyline interesting? You know, I I like the Tapal stuff. Of course, I always love her. um, That little device she has in her neck—it looked like one of those. What was this was the original series in the mirror? Was it no? Yeah, mirror universe, right? No, mm-hmm. no, that's not. No, that's not what it was. That was the thing he had in his quarters where he could just see anybody. Mm-hmm. They weren't fitted with anything. Right, right. right. Yeah. 
I'm thinking of uh, I'm thinking of restraining bolts in Star Wars or something. I don't know. But anyway, that was a nice little bit. Um, I laughed out loud when that. I think he's like a he used to be a wrestling star or something. But whatever that big mm-hmm. that huge guy picks up to Paul. That was funny. Yeah. I know it's yeah. like a rag doll. She's like, like yeah, yeah, exactly. Like doll. She's just stiffening up. You know, it's it's probably yeah. not as easy as it looks. You know, she just yeah. totally stiffs. Looks like she's a mannequin. You're holding her soon. Yeah, basically, she had no expression on her face. Even it was almost mannequin like. But um, you know, talk about that section specifically, the Orions, and did you care? No, I found it interesting. You know, it goes back to all of the Trek lore. You know, we've heard a lot about the Orions Syndicate. We talked about that earlier. It also talks, you know, this kind of this dirty underbelly that we don't get to see that often in Star Trek. You know, you know, slaves, slave trade. That kind of thing. It's not something you you get to see too often in Trek because they kind of portray things, you know, at times a little, you know, everybody has these high morals. So it was kind of cool to see that the underbelly, this kind of this dirty place where slave trading happens, where not everybody is just, you know, happy and Starfleet and high morals and that kind of thing. So Yeah, I I think it it very easily could have got dull, you know, but I think the fact that, you know, we, you know, Trekkers all know about Orion slave stuff and you're seeing, seeing some of that, you're seeing actually a slave auction thing, that alone would just be kind of, okay, so what, but the fact that they're down there and trying to find ways to get them out of there and assess what's going on, and I think the pace is good where it doesn't feel like it's dragging or anything, you know, it's, it's yeah. you know, and, it, and especially when it, you know, the big escape and all the craziness going on and then soon gets away. And that, that's fun when he recaptures them. You know, I think it's, I think it's paced well and it's fun. It is fun yeah. seeing Soong and Archer work, like working together. Yeah. Yeah. Even, sure. I mean, you're right that they, he was too trusting him or whatever, but it's kind of neat to see those two together. Mm-hmm. You know? well, and and, well, I think and you think about the arc of Soong over the, all three episodes, he does really have an arc, you know, he has to kind of come around yeah. on the, the augments, you know, he's going to see that stuff. But when you think about where is he right now, um, that's that that makes it that makes that section when they're down there uh, looking for the crew members fun to me. Yeah, I mean, I think and also about the Orion. You know, they didn't stay there too long. Like we didn't have a whole episode with them yeah. trying to figure out how to how to get them out of there. I mean, you know, it was maybe what 10, 15 minutes of the whole episode that they were there. So I think that worked there worked well as well. And I think it must have been fun for Spiner to play this part. You know, usually he's playing, you know, Data, you know, and he kind of got to be funny and, the, you know, there's a lot too soon. So there's a lot to yeah. that character. That, and yeah, well, you know, it's it funny. Well. I've, we've all seen Spiner plenty of times at conventions, but it seems like every time I've ever seen him, somebody asks about his Enterprise stint every single time. You know, mm-hmm. um, and maybe that's just because that was the more recent of his work. But it seems like so, somebody asks about this every single time. Um, and obviously you could fill up an entire convention of him talking about playing data. <laughs> yeah. But uh, obviously this this did have this same kind of, you know, fan effect, just like like we're saying that we experienced, you know. Um, so. So fun. Um and I enjoyed it. And it's it's the kind of thing where I think if I try to overanalyze it, if I think about it too much, it's not. If I just think about like the plot and things, maybe there isn't that much to it. It's not terrible. But but all this Star Trek stuff, you know, Star Trek lore and things, and and Spiner and 
When I, by the way, I, I looked it up today. You know, he's 67. As we record this, he is 67 years old. Mm. Brent Spiner, as we record this, Brent Spiner is 67 years old. That's nuts. Yeah. I didn't realize he was like, you know, in his mid to late 30s when they started Next Gen. I didn't realize that. I don't know. I guess he's always that guy from Night Court. Like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but even there, he was 30-something. Right. Yeah. Anyway. Um, well, we were we, we were talking about Soong, you know, and I think it's a credit to him. I mean, this character is very multifaceted, you know, in this in this episode and probably into the next, probably until we get to Augments, you know. He's very arrogant about his work and, you know, his children and how they're humans' future. But you have this little subtlety that, you know, he, you know, he has a conscience. You know, he's not willing, he doesn't, you know, he's not a cold-blooded killer and just a right-out villain. You know, there's some subtleties and depth to this character and that's i think that's a credit to him as well and we'll see that more in the upcoming episodes we'll and talk that's about it, that is exactly what i'm saying i you know malik is the weakest least most you know least interesting character of all well he's one-dimensional because yeah he's one-dimensional he doesn't there, there is no arc to him at all um and he has a lot of screen time over the course of these three episodes uh so you know it's unfortunate that he doesn't have anything to do. Um, like that he doesn't con. have any kind of character arc. He's a mini con. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> I mean that's different. A first ma- of all, a, a, a poor man's con. Maybe that's better. He's a first of all, Space Seed was one episode. Secondly, he does well. He, you don't you don't realize he's actually not changing. But you know, it starts off with you thinking he's one thing. You know, and then he goes somewhere else. You realize he was actually you know, a bad guy or whatever. But there is a little bit more to him as opposed to Malik, where I think he's, you know, he's WYSIWYG from the first second you see him until the last. Um, so. Um, all right. What's this show about? This specific episode, um, it's... <laughs> it's kind of hard to bring it. What did you have, Steve? I, I kind of hard, hard, hard time just had a, put, a putting it into one in this one episode because they're kind of this is where it's kind of hard. I can kind of give you an overlay of what they're all about, but this particular one is kind of hard. I guess, um, you know, a lot of it is like, you know, Archer and all of them getting back. I mean, getting back in the set, they're getting back into a mission, they're getting back into their and in the, into their routine to do their missions. Um, there's a little bit about, you know, the moral of genetically enhanced people versus not. I mean, they got into that a little bit with, with Flocks. Flocks talked about, you know, that Denobians, they'd mastered genetic engineering and humans, it, it caused, you know, 30 million people to die. So there's some uh, moral implications about what they're talking about. I think about. They, they do that more in the next episode, but yeah. Yeah, probably Flocks right. conversation is the next episode, but yeah. Yeah, it is hard to this particular episode out of the three because it's such a you know they're, they're, it sets it up and it's very entertaining, it's seven, yeah. but but it's hard to separate it. I mean, I think it's much easier to say maybe with the second, I'm certainly with the second. Well, maybe the, there's something in here with trust. I mean, you talk yeah. about Archer trusting um, Soong. Mm-hmm. Soong trusts that certain things are going to happen. Right. Um, right. Obviously, the augments. They have issues with that. They uh, they kill their first leader. At least Malik does. Um, the, the, maybe I'm reaching, but I mean, there's something in there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay. Well, yeah, just because, yeah, genetically, I guess they probably talk about this more later. Genetically enhanced doesn't mean instincts and didn't, what was that? The instincts hadn't caught up with the potential. Yeah. Yeah. The in, but that's in, in another instincts episode. Instincts and intellect. Yeah, that's the next one. But yeah, in, intellect, I think, is what they're talking right, I mean, yeah, so I mean, cool. I think, you know, I think watching this episode, the character Archer and Soong, they really do like each other. And, you know, I think they had, they, the two actors not only had great chemistry together, the characters had great chemistry together. So that, that could set up, yeah. I guess. So with this episode, Borderland is a good setup to the next two. Let's do six degrees for Borderland. Um, Steve, are you going first or second? I'll go first. J.G. Hertzler makes his final Trek appearance here as a Klingon captain that is quickly defeated by the Augments. We last saw him as the Klingon lawyer Kolos in a second season episode of Enterprise where Archer was on trial. Name the episode where the trial results in a decision about Archer. Hmm. I gave you a little hint there. <laughs> is it a judgment? You're incorrect. It's judgment. Mr. Caesar. Yes. Hertzler also played a Herogen fighter in the Voyager 6th season episode. Oh, I didn't mention, of course... You know, he's Martok. But <laughs> right, Martok. I've asked plenty of Martok questions. All right. Hertzler also played a Herogen fighter in the Voyager 6th season episode, Sunkatsi. Who co-starred in this episode that is now a huge star? I will accept his real name or what he is known by. And uh, I see his movies because my wife thinks he's hot and I want to be there when she thinks that. That's, mm. uh, she gets excited. I want to be around. Just put it there. <laughs> you know, I, have, I honestly have no idea. I don't remember the episode. Steve? Is uh, that the one with Dwayne the Rock Johnson? You're correct. Steve has two. Moving on. Cold Station 12, Season 4, Episode 5, Production Number 405. Original air date, November 5th, 2004. Directed by Mike Beecher, written by Alan Brennert. Music composed by Jay Chataway. Guest cast include Brent Spiner as Dr. Eric Soong, Alec Newman as Malik, Abby Bramel as Persis, Richard Ryle as Dr. Jeremy Lucas, Kaj Eric Erickson as Smike, Chris Iyer as Deputy Director, and Adam Grimes as Lokesh. <laughs> After the escape of Dr. Soong, Captain Archer and his crew proceed to the coordinates Soong had provided earlier in the mission. On Trevelius 4, the away team find an abandoned building where the young Augments were raised and schooled by Soong. Meanwhile, Soong and the Augments capture Bazara, a Denobulian medical ship, and use it to enter the medical facility called Cold Station 12 to steal the remaining augmented embryos. Are you familiar with Sembaline blood burn? vascular lining literally boils away. You son of a bitch. Actually, Mother was a chemist. You can't do this. Believe me, I don't want to, but I'm out of options, Doctor. The code. Cold Station 12. Adam, why don't you kick us off on Cold Station 12? You know, I don't think we talked about it in the early episode, but I thought that the when you know when Soon did escape Enterprise, you know, the Augments came aboard, you know, they were, you know, say you know, when you you talked about the Klingon ship busting up the Orions. Um, I thought that was pretty um pretty good scene, you know, when um you were talking about when Malik had Archer by the throat and was th- it was pretty um it was, to me it was pretty intense. Um yeah. and then that leads us into this episode where um we find out Soon's real goal, he wants to get back to this um cold station to 
free the thousands of other embryos to um to raise them as his own um it you know what we get in this episode is kind of what Soong's motivation is and what um what the augments uh, Malik and all the rest of the crew what their motivation is what they're trying to get to so um yeah it's a good episode continuation from Borderland um it gets pretty dark in this episode when Soong is trying to yeah. um to get information and he's manipulated a little bit by Malik. Um, and you know, we see somebody die. Um, so it got a little bit dark. Um, but yeah, it's a great continuation from borderland. Yeah. It, um, I like the setup showing him with the kids and teaching the kids. Um, cause there is that bit in there where he says something like, you know, and someday you're going to free or, your brothers and sisters or something like that. Um, you know, it, it kind of gives it this, it, it helps you realize that the, these augments have had a purpose all these years. Um, it's a pretty emotional scene too. I think when Soong finds out that Malik had killed his brother, you know, and, and hugs him and apologize, you know, he's, he kind of takes that blame on himself for not being there and thinks mm-hmm. he's more of the cause of, that behavior than of course, Malik. Malik lies to him. Right? <laughs> true, yeah. true. He fibs a little bit. Knife on me, and you know, um, I don't know. I wasn't sure about that. Like, what what would Soong have done if he hadn't lied to him? If he just right. said, you know, Ren, I can't remember the character's name now. Ren, whatever the character, uh, Rakim, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, if he just said he wasn't interested in pursuing our goal of freeing the others or something. I mean, what would, you know, it's, it's implied that soon raised them with, um, like a golden rule of you do not kill other augments specifically. You don't harm your brothers. Right. Mm -hmm. It's implied that that was some kind of rule almost or something like that was this one rule. Um, you know, and Malik, violates that and then obviously later in this episode violates it when he kills um um the Smike. non-augment yep. yes yeah right Smike um the Nogma non-augmented augment um again again it it takes away from the episode a little bit to me for me because there's just there's nothing very interesting about Malik because he's just, you know, evil, bad, fine. Even when he kills Smike, you know, like I, I don't know if, if, because, because Smike like attacks them, right. As they're trying to leave cold station 12. Um, and then he kills him. But if he had had just the tiniest bit of doubt or something, or felt bad about doing that or mm-hmm. a question, or if he'd been mad at, Archer or putting him in a situation where he had to kill Smike. I, I don't know. But no, he's just like, psh, done. You know? Mm-hmm. You think um, it would have been better if um, Malik had just been 100% honest with Soon and be like, yeah, he he defied us and I killed him. Do you think that would have made him a better character? instead of I'm kind wondering of this- what Soon would have done, that's all. Because <clears throat> you know, he knows he's, not, he's choosing to not tell Soon the truth because he knows Soon would not approve. Um, but it it just doesn't. It's it's not a far cry between the by the by the next episode he's going to take over. 
I'm just wondering what could Soong have done, you know. Um, Soong Soong needs him, you know. I don't know that he's he certainly wouldn't have gotten the embryos without him. Malik's the one who puts <laughs> flocks in the tube, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Soong doesn't have the stomach for that. Um. Mm. Um, but I'm just I'm trying to talk about things that are more specifically Cold Station 12. We did a lot. Of, we talked a lot of the setup in the previous episode. Mm-hmm. But obviously, a lot of that's still going to be true. Um, it's fun getting to see Lucas. We've heard about him, right? That's the one that Flox has written letters to before, I think. Right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Sure. But this is the first time we've seen him. Um. Too bad that the uh, the first guy they put in the tube hadn't written Flox some letters. <laughs> <laughs> Might still be with us. <laughs> um, um, yeah, we get a we get a little bit more backstory on the eugenic wars in this um, in this episode. You know, they talked about what they did with these embryos. They put them in this you know basically this mm-hmm. rock because they didn't know what to do with them. So you know, it's kind of we. You know, it's probably the most we get about the eugenic wars that World War Three is from from these episodes. You know, they're they're always kind of alluded to here and there. You know, there was this World War Three, and then after no, it, it, no, or, World War Three is different. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. You're right. Eugenic wars. Eugenics wars was the was nineties. Yeah, much earlier. Yeah, you're right. But anyway, the point holds. Yeah. Um. Steve, what do you think about all this cold station crap? <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, I, I really enjoyed. I think this is the best of the three episodes, and I, I, I think there's a number of reasons for that. I think there's a lot of, um, you know, it is dark. There's a lot of tension on that station. A lot of stuff going on. The introduction of this Smite character helps, um, you know, bring home the overall theme here, and specifically the theme of this episode with, you know, the attitudes toward those who are inferior. I mean, Archer just spits it right out, you know, the, the moral of the story essentially. And, um, yeah, I think, I think it's, it's, it's very tense and engaging and interesting. And, um, you know, I don't, I don't think it dwells on, dwells too long in there. I think it easily could have got dull just hanging out in that station and then torturing people and, you know, and so on. But I think it's, it's written well enough where in the pace is good that it, it doesn't feel that way. Is this the episode where also where Tucker and DePaul have a little conversation about what went on in um, Homeland? Is that in here? It's done in a couple places, I think. Yeah. yeah. There's a See, that brief, was kind of. There's a brief bit in Borderland, and then there's the more significant conversation. Um, yeah, sorry to kind of bring it up because I kind of felt like Homeland kind of cliffhangered a little bit, and then we kind of go straight into Borderland. It just kind of Borderland has it too. Borderland starts with a teeny bit, and then it it also it has the other bit where he's where she tells him Vulcans don't have honeymoons. That's actually at the end of Borderland, and then they are snapped out of their conversation by the Orions attacking. Mm-hmm. But but it's nice, yeah. That it, it's nice that it's that it's mentioned and not like you know ignored. Because yeah, Ho- Homeland kind of basically ends with her walking down the aisle, and yeah, then yeah. And then basically jump into Borderland and you know augments and killing Klingons and stuff like that. Yeah, so another thing of, we didn't get a little that, bit of that. Yeah, another thing we didn't mention just for Star Trek continuity fun that well I guess you hinted at it, Steve. But you know I like the way Borderland opened with most of them still in their civvies because you know mm-hmm. 
are still coming back from all of this. And this, and there is a little mention of them when they relaunch, like we're back at it, or he's, Archer says something like that. I wouldn't have it any other way. But Cold Station 12. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do you guys like remember this one as being, I mean, I'm wondering how, how, how was your memory of these episodes versus what they actually are? Because, um, I seem to remember Cold Station 12 the least. Like hmm. I remembered the setup stuff and the Orion stuff. And I remembered what happens in augments with the Klingon colony and all that. But I didn't remember Cold Station 12 as basically being a whole episode. I had to kind of, I'd agree with that. Um, you know, this Cold Station, you know, if you look at these three episodes as like a three-act play, I mean, you know, Cold Station is basically the rise of the climax. Um, so it's kind of hard to differentiate that between – it's it's the middle episode, so it kind of bleeds in with the other two. Well, Adam, would you agree with Steve that this is the strongest of the three today? Um, I would say it's got some of the more dramatic scenes. Um, it's got a lot of, you know – the torture, um, you get a lot, you get background on eugenics, um, you start seeing, um, soon, it's kind of subtle, but you start to see soon realize that his children aren't what he thought they were going to be. Um, so you start to see things, you start to basically everything that got set up in borderland, you know, with, um, with soon and his, um, convictions about what he was doing and that kind of thing. You subtly see them kind of starting to unravel in cold station 12, especially with Malik and the way he's, he wants to just kill everybody. Um, so I, I think it, it has a, a great, I think it has a really impact because it's the beginning of the turning for, um, for Soong, I think. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, as far as remembering what, what I remember best, I think they're, it's fairly well balanced. I think this is strongest because I think it's, I don't think any of these can survive without the others. I mean, it is, it is well done as a three-part thing, but I think that um, it, it brings home the theme, really. I mean, you feel it. You know, you feel like what's going on. I think a lot of it has to do with these, the, that one character, and you, you know, you, um, they're the the torture. You know how they're just just the you know the Malik doesn't give a rip about, you know, the you know they're just like might as well be, you know, they're Ants. a lower life form. They're lower life form to him, so yeah. it doesn't matter. And um, you have eth- ethics questions, even independent of the ethics of you know, the value of one life over another, but the value of, um, you know, the, the doctor is letting the one guy die to keep a secret, to keep things safe. But then, you know, he doesn't, he breaks when but flocks in the thing, you know, and, you know, these kinds of complex issues, you know, so there's a lot to mull over and stuff. One thing I was surprised about, um, that scene that it sounds like we all liked where Archer is talking to Phlox, are they in the galley or something? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Archer says his father died when he was 12. Did we know that? Because if his father designed the Warp 5 engine but, you know, didn't live to see it realized, assuming Archer is like at least in his early 40s, mm-hmm. if not older, when Enterprise launches in season one, that means it's like 30 years between the time he designs the Warp 5 engine <laughs> yeah, no, and the time a ship launches with it. Right, right, yeah. That's really? why he's upset with the Vulcans. Come on. I guess so. That doesn't <laughs> seem right to me. I mean, I just, I never imagined that his father died when he was so young, especially because of all the ways he talks about him. Like, 
I don't, I'm not trying to sound insulting, but I mean, it, it does seem like he was with him for more of his life. Yeah. More, more of the parts of your life you actually remember than just, you know, six or seven years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Going back to Steve's point saying this is the strong, I mean, you know, there's a lot of moral questions presented in this episode. And I think maybe that's why it could be the strongest. You know, you have that conversation between um, Flocks and Archer about the, the moral implications of genetically enhanced enhancement things, you know. Yeah, it's great. You can cure all these diseases. And then you have the moral argument, you know, you know, obviously killing people to get information. So there's a lot of there's a lot of moral moral things in this this episode to contemplate. Well speaking of that, what's it about then? I think primarily it's the that point that Archer just verbalizes early on in the episodes. You know, as soon as you value if you feel you're superior to some other life form, you value them less, you know, and um, and then see what happens, <laughs> essentially. But I think on a secondary level, too, you have just the 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 general notion of what what a life is worth and the and how it's not it's not black or white. I mean, it's a very complex issue. The ethics involved here, you know, I don't. When you know when when the Doctor Lucas character when he was allowing the one guy to die in the thing it's awful right but I wasn't thinking like just tell him you know let this guy live I mean it's sad but you also let's get let's let these nuts loose and let's let thousands of them go and take some diseases while you're at it and stuff you know there there is a price you know and it's 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 very complex this notion of what a life is worth you know and I think this episode explores in a number of ways. Yeah, I love that choice that they did make, letting that first scientist die. Because usually, you know, okay, I'll I'll give you what, but yeah, you you realize that, yeah, I mean, there's a lot at stake here. Mm -hmm. You know, there's these eighteen hundred superhuman humans that will want to take over the galaxy on top of all these diseases. So I like I like the choice that they made there, not just kind of giving in right off the bat. I mean, obviously, you're not going to kill a main character to prove that point, but I think they, yeah, I like the choice that they made there. By letting that one one doctor die, horribly actually. Yeah, it's pretty horrific actually. Very horrific. All right, cool. <clears throat> well, you guys convinced me this is the best one of the three. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do six degrees for Cold Station Twelve. Steve has two. Adam, are you going first or second? Um, I'll go first. Richard Riley plays Doctor Jeremy Lucas, Flox's friend. Uh, Flock says Lucky Lucas apparently likes him more than that other doctor. Riley played Cayman's friend in the seminal next-gen fifth-season episode, The Inner Light. What was his character's name? This is also the name Cayman would later give to a son. What was his name? Mm-hmm. Cayman was Picard, right? Right. And his friend, who actually dies, and then later Cayman names his son to- after him. You know, I have no idea. It's the same actor as um, Lucas. No, I know the yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> I, I have the visual, but I don't remember the character. It's though. a jump to conclusions, Matt. <laughs> yeah, it was an come on, it was an office space. <laughs> oh gosh, this is on the tip of my tongue. I'm just sitting here racking my brain. Oh. Shoot. Start with a B, I think. I, yes, it does start with a B, but I will, I will require more letters than uh, that. No, I know. Just, just one chance. Bees here. Knees. Um, 
it's not coming to me. It's not going to happen. Okay, points are points are off the table. B A T. Nope. It's, Batman? Was it Batman? That's it. <laughs> <laughs> Bataille. Yes, yes, yes. Okay. Right. Uh, Steve, yes. Riley also played Seamus in two sixth season episodes of Voyager. Seamus was a character in Tom Paris's hologram that took place in a little village in 19th century Ireland. Name the village, which was also an episode name. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. Guess these were hard, huh? Mm-hmm. Yes. I'll know when I hear it, but it's not coming to me. Adam? Go ahead and, go ahead and tell us, Brian. Tell Fair, us what it is. Fairhaven. Ah, yes. Fairhaven. All right. Wow. Is it like nobody got either? Does that ever happen? Probably. Ever? That, Maybe. That all happens right. to me a lot for all the questions. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Steve has two still moving on. The Augments, Season 4, Episode 6, Production Number 406, Original Air Date, November 12th, 2004. Directed by LeVar Burton, written by Michael Sussman, music composed by Velton Ray Bunch. Guest cast include Brent Spiner as Dr. Arik Soong, Alec Newman as Malik, Abby Bramwell as Persis, Richard Ryle as Dr. Jeremy Lucas, Mark Rolston as Captain Mog, and Adam Grimes as Lokesh. Dr. Arik Soon and the Augments take with them 1,800 frozen Augment embryos preserved from the time of the eugenics war. Before leaving CS-12, Malik, unknown to Soon, steals several pathogenic samples from the station and sets the rest to contaminate the station. Captain Archer restores the stasis around the central compound and save the, saves the station, and Enterprise begins pursuit of the bird of prey. Soon intends to hide out in a region where Starfleet would have trouble tracking them down. Malik objects to Soong's plan, noting that Khan Yoon Soong also ran on the SS Botany Bay. Captain, contact C-12. 300 kilograms of biotoxins are missing from their inventory. Dr. Lucas already told me about the missing toxins. Malik stole them without my knowledge. He's going to use them on the colony. You saw what he did on the station. You know what he's capable of. You didn't know. You know, it. one thing this episode kind of made me think about is it's almost like Malik just doesn't just think that the Augments are better than everyone else. He thinks he's better than everyone else. Mm-hmm, yeah. You know, it's interesting that, that he chooses to destroy the, the ship, uh, but actually save himself. Um, it, I, I don't think he went there thinking um, he was going to, you know, die killing soon. I think he went there thinking he was going to kill soon and then Archer and then take over Enterprise. I don't know. I don't think he was thought he was going down. I, you know, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's so there's a tiny bit of something interesting there that I wish they'd analyzed a little bit more. You know, also in this episode, he kills Percy's. You know, he doesn't really have any, you know, redeeming sort of, qualities. What's the, what's the count now? He's killed like three of his brothers and I mean, two brothers and a sister i guess right uh and then tries to kill his father um a sister who he was sleeping with by the way mm. true yeah um we're kind so of jumping it was yeah you jumped to the end there it seemed like they were kind of just gonna have like kind of like a wrath ending you know kind of set it up you have malik on that bird of prey and you know yeah. he's gonna pull it up and then there's that twist which to me, they could have just gone without. It was kind of cheesy, but 
we can get to that well, later. I think it, it just it, it bugs me a little bit that there's no he doesn't really have any consequence for anything he's done. Like for Malik? Yeah. I don't know, I'm just spitballing, but like his his other augments on the ship, like I don't know, if they saw him set the destruct sequence or whatever and then they saw him trying to leave, they could have they, they could have stopped him and said, No, you're going down with us or something. I mean if there'd been if there'd been something um again, it's just it's my it's my single complaint about all three of these episodes. You know, Malik is very one dimensional, doesn't grow at all. Um, and, and here he doesn't even really get any consequences for his actions. You know, sure. I mean, Archer kills him, but. Yeah. If, it, if only who'd have known, if he'd gone to the briar patch, he could have lived forever. I, do you think it's supposed to be the same briar patch as, uh, insurrection? I mean, I guess it could be, but. Yeah. It just seemed like that would be awfully co- close to earth. Because so, the one from Insurrection seemed like it was really far away from Earth, so I don't know. Was it? They far brought away it up. I mean, they could to get to. I don't know. I mean, they could have called it something else. So there's, to me, there's a reference to Briar Patch, or why would you call it that and not call it something else? Yeah. Hmm. Obviously, for Trek fans, we're going to recognize, oh, Briar Patch, that was an Insurrection, and oh, this must be the same. I mean, yeah. No, I thought it, I thought that too. Make that just, connection. Yeah, I thought that too. Um, Steve, you've been silent. What are, what are your <laughs> first thoughts here on um, augments? Uh, yeah, I I think it's interesting that you know Soong is you know clearly he's working to remove the aggression. You know that whole guilt thing that he's got. You know now, I mean he's he's brought he brought them back and and he now he wants to bring the others around but now he wants to okay maybe i can counter this you know clearly there i can't control these people really and they have these moral issues but i got to do something about it and then i think that, i think that's interesting to kind of considering what what's going on in his thoughts over the course of this whole thing obviously he has this arc he's come to you know he's he's seen the light to some extent and he's um you know what's got to be going on in his head in terms of that that guilt factor, you know, and so on. Yeah. And then in the end, he, of course, helps. He's obviously still in pain just to, to see his, 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 essentially his children die, but he, he comes around enough to assist in, you know, their demise. Do you think he thought they would, do you think he accepted the possibility that giving enterprise the information they needed to disable the bird of prey could kill them all? Would he have still done it if he thought that, or do you think he thought that was a possibility at that moment? I don't know. I think I. It's hard to say. I think that what the ethical, the part of him that has the the ethical side of him it overruled. I mean, he probably just blocked that out. He probably said, "Okay, hopefully we can, hmm. you know, take him alive, but I, I can't let this happen." You know, obviously he's got he's got all this guilt, and I, you know, but he probably didn't want them to die. Obviously, but you know. Yeah, I don't think so because Archer wasn't intent on killing them. So, right, that, there was True. that going for him. I mean, you know, if Archer was hell bent on killing him, he might have had second thoughts. But I think he'd come to know and trust Archer enough to know what his intentions were, and they weren't to to kill these, kill his children. It were to bring them back to Earth. That was their mission. That was Archer's mission. Um, 
And clearly, they, I mean, they could have. I mean, Archer could have destroyed the the ship after they disabled it, but he didn't. I didn't. I did not like um, Percy's demise. I thought she was kind of a cool character, and she was kind of interesting. And like I said, she was the one that had a little bit of an arc. Um, mm-hmm. Why didn't he then, bring her with him? I didn't understand why she didn't get on the pod with him. Yeah. Is that just writing? You know, she had to stay there and get killed? or <laughs> Yeah. Probably. Because she was the one she... to have a, have, have a little bit of a moral compass. I don't know that she would have left her fellow augments. She wasn't there yet, you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. She was, you know, she wasn't even willing to stand up to Malik in the first place. You know, she lied just to, to, because she was worried he was going to kill her, I guess. But With good reason. Um, yeah, I guess so. Mm. But I didn't. I didn't like her her death sequence. It was a little. I don't know. Again, I just didn't find. I didn't find that satisfying. By the way, one of the funny things I read about you know the UK at the time. I doubt they were. They, well, I, I I don't think they're quite so bad now. But you know they they censored a lot of Trek episodes. Not that's not true. Not a lot. That few. But a couple of these episodes that were in. The previous one, Cold Station 12, they censored some of the stuff with the more horrific stuff with the doctor that gets killed. Mm-hmm. Uh, in this episode, they completely removed that in the scene. I think they wanted to just remove the bit where Percy is Percy is, is killed, but that was hard to do. So they just cut that whole scene completely. So when you watched the episode 10 years ago in the UK, she just disappears from the episode. <laughs> yeah. She's just gone. Yeah. Well, I think, um, especially, you know, I noticed this in the third season and it's continued on in here in the fourth season. There's been some, um, kind of some horrific death scenes, you know, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, we talked about at the end of the Zindi arc when, um, oh gosh, no, all of a sudden, with a D, what's his name? Dagra. Dagra. When Dagra is killed. Yeah. I will find your family and kill them too. So your lion ends with the order with everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so there's been some pretty dark knife up to his face. Uh, That's very dark. So I mean, give that means yeah, Enterprise they've kind of gone all out on these couple of these death scenes here in the last few episodes. I like the battle sequence. uh, Enterprise arriving just in time to torpedo their torpedoes, and then he's like hard about just they can you know attack. Oh, that was cool. That was cool. Um, They did some cool things with the the pacing of the action in these episodes. I don't think it's I don't think it's not like a new thing, but they did a whole lot more. And obviously, they're saving money when they don't show people beaming and they just say let's beam us out or beam us in or whatever stuff. Too, there are times when it's used in a way that I think is 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 strategic. You know, because you know when the pace is going fine, sometimes it's interruption to have the five seconds of the scene. You know, sometimes there. I don't know if this particular episode, but I know in the first or second or something, there were times when it's like, okay, um, energize, and then you just cut to the next scene. And you don't mess with that mm-hmm. stuff. I I yeah. like that in a lot of places. Yeah. Things. Well, these episodes were some of the first times on Enterprise where I felt like they were using the transporter in the normal yes way that I'm used oh, to yeah. the other series using it. You know, four or five uh, at beaming at once. But they did, they did get a refit, so maybe they got a new. Right. Yeah, so it makes sense. Yeah. I also thought it was funny, kind of, oh, I'm sorry, but I was going to say, it's, it's kind of funny, I've noticed that uh, in this particular episode, there's a scene where they're all on the bridge, and uh, they're, I don't I don't remember what the point of it was now, but they're talking about, they're, they're strategizing what they're going to do, you know, and it's like, okay, they're doing this, they're doing this, and it occurs to me, there's absolutely no rhyme or reason about who's saying what's going on on the other ship, 
You know, it's like Hoshi will say something, Tapal says something, uh, someone at the tactical, you know, station will say something, and it's just it's just so it moves around. But there's no reason why Hoshi would say, would give this certain report or Tapal would or whatever. And I never really thought yeah. about it. But how often does this go on like that, where people are just mm-hmm. spouting off stuff and doesn't, you know, wouldn't you know what? A lot of these, all the all your main cast, you're paying them the same. Yeah, <laughs> whether they say a line. Or they are the only ones talking the whole time. You're paying them the same. Even if they don't say anything, they get paid yeah. for these shows, right? Um, so when you cut to a, an extra or something and give them a line, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you, you're, <laughs> you've added budget to your show that you didn't have to. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, you talk about pacing. That's the one thing I want to mention. Augments is the only – the other two I didn't feel this way. But Augments, there were a couple of times where I felt like there was some filler. Mm. That stuff with um, the – the Klingon vessel that shows up that they have to use the grappler on to stop them or whatever. If you'd cut that out, this episode would have been exactly the same. And there was another bit too, kind of reminds you of the Star Trek six bit uh, where they're like the universal translator. They're trying to use it or just, I don't know. He's, mm-hmm. he's talking to them, to them, sure. to convince them to let the whole chance, the whole chancellor thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That was this episode, right? I think it had this. Yeah. Anyway, that also, if that was cut out with this episode have been any different. No. So it just felt like, those couple, those moments kind of felt like filler, which kind of screwed with the pacing in this episode for me a little bit. But and it's a minor comment; it was fine. I mean, they are they are taking this one augments soon storyline over three episodes, so I'll give them a little bit there. I got a question for you for you too. Um, <coughs> I, I was thinking about this at the end of this episode. You know, basically, soon he goes back to his cell, basically back to where he started. Um, it just made me think, I and mean, I wanted to ask this question: Do you think? Um, do you think that was the right choice? Because, you know, he was responsible, basically, for all of this. Do you think, you know, he kind of basically goes back to where he was. Did that make you guys think, or could they? should there have been more consequence for Soong? I don't know what more consequence you can get. It's not like, I'm sure that there's no capital punishment here or something. Sure. And even if there were, I don't think what he did would have warranted that. Um, so he's already pretty much, you know, single-cell living. I mean, that's about as punishment he is i can imagine they would have no right you know i just i don't know i just kind of felt a little bit weird you know he kind of just basically he's back to where he started and nothing's really changed i don't know i don't know what they could have done differently it just kind of made me think that there wasn't i don't know well well i mean i know it's not what you're getting at exactly it's a different thing but clearly he has changed you know sure um, he's going to pursue cybernetics now. Gee, where's that going to go? Um, mm-hmm. That was fun, of course. We all like that. Sure. Um, they don't actually say whether he already had a, like an actual kid in the world. Because if he didn't, he must it it must mean that he gets out at some point and has a kid, right? Or he gets um, multiple visits or whatever. So, what's this episode about, guys? Well, I think we, we kind of touched on it. You know, Soong, you know, he realizes that what he did was a mistake. What he realized, what what he thought he believed was not right. Um, so it's not, so to me, it's not everything, you can't trust everything. You've got to have to have more of an open mind about what you're, especially in this kind of situation, what you're doing. It's just kind of opening your mind to like the moral code, I don't know, kind of stretching here or reaching here steve yeah i mean i think 
again, it's hard to say. Um, it's kind of like the first episode was, but in a way, it's it kind of it caps it well because you know, Brian, you were talking about trust being a theme in the first one. It's almost like in the third one, you have a little bit of uh, the pitfalls of that, and that you can't that you you have to. You can't blindly trust, you know, that, you know, you have, you have certain preconceptions and you have to keep an open mind because, uh, you know, nothing always holds true. I mean, you, you're going to have situations where your, your assumptions do not hold. You're going to learn something. And obviously the, the arc that soon goes on here, it's interesting. And he does, he does change and he certainly, there's no redemption really. It's more of a, a personal education. You know, he, he's, he learns some learn some things about himself, learn some things about people, humanity. Cool. So the one thing that I did, I'll bring this over here. The one thing I thought that was in these three episodes, since like I said, it's been over 10, 12 years since I watched these. I thought, I guess they're going to be in more episodes where we find out about the Klingons. And yeah, why it's they, a different bunch. Yeah. 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 Different bunch. So. Yeah. It's later this season though. All right, guys. Well, Good three episodes. Like I think, what, I, I think we'll keep saying this over and over again. Season four is what we all would have hoped Enterprise could have been from the beginning. Let's do six degrees for the augments. Uh, Steve has two, and um, Adam, I know you've already had the chance, but are you going to go first or second? Um, I'll go second. Steve, Mark Ralston makes a brief appearance as a Klingon captain trying to stop Enterprise, but he's outsmarted by superior grappling technology. <laughs> we last saw him in Enterprise's second season as Kuroda, aboard a vessel bound for a prison that has the same name as the episode Name It. Mm. Is that uh, Rurapinte? No. Mm. You're thinking of the Judgment episode. Oh, uh, yes, yes. Where they go to Rurapinte. This is the one where... Um, Archer's on this transport vessel going to the prison place, too. And, ah. Yeah. Uh, Adam, do you remember the name of the episode slash prison planet? The prison planet? I don't know yeah. if it's a planet or maybe it's just the name of the prison, but anyway. The, the uh, prison, the destination for this vessel and the name of the episode. No, I don't. Canamar. Canamar. Hmm. Uh, Adam... Yes. Brent Spiner, of course, plays Eric Soong, presumed relative of Noonien, the creator of Mr. Data. Of course, Spiner played Data and other characters in Trek. But for which Trek film was Spiner credited with co-writing the story along with Rick Berman and John Logan? Um, I realize I could have asked every question today. Brent Spiner <laughs> is a six degrees <laughs> thing, uh, but I did not. For, on purpose. So I'm gonna say yeah. insurrection. No, Steve. Nemesis. You're correct. It was Nemesis. He came up with that whole, that whole um, Tom Hardy clone thing. Shinzon the clone. Okay, so real fast. Um, I although it's not gonna be easy to be really fast because it was such a big event. I I have to talk about this Star Trek uh, fan event that I went to at the Paramount lot on Friday, May twentieth. Uh, you guys have probably heard about it by now. Um, there was tons of stuff, and the, you know the original gist of it was that they they showed off the the new Beyond trailer, uh, and we're going to talk about that in a, in a minute. Um, they showed a lot of other stuff, and it was just such an awesome night. I can't believe they went to all this trouble for such a relatively small group of people 
you know, there were only a few hundred people like total. Um, so I'm, I just kind of want to go through the whole night and then we'll, we will talk about the trailer as well. Um, so uh, that guy, Adam Savage from Mythbusters, he was the host. So they, they brought us in to this. Um, it was kind of like a pseudo recreation of the bridge kind of but it was like a circular room and they had everybody sitting around these three chairs in the middle which is where they would bring out the talent in a minute um if you see the footage i'm kind of behind the talent i'm wearing my <laughs> i'm wearing a, a blue baseball cap so uh <laughs> you'll probably see me um because it was such a small room you know there just weren't that many people so anyway so they, they bring us in and so that, that was kind of neat um they had like like a enterprise, you know, like the dedication plaque that would be on the bridge. And by the way, there was a letter A after the uh, registry number. <laughs> Take that, what that for what that means. Um, so uh, they set us down, and the first thing they did, so Adam uh, uh, Savage, um, he brought out J.J. Abrams, and J.J. Abrams talked for uh, just a little bit, and then they brought out Justin Lin, the director. Um, course jj's producing the movie they brought out then they brought out justin lynn the director and they talked for a for a little bit um let's see um jj announced that they're gonna the paramount's gonna drop that axonar lawsuit and that they were gonna do that because justin lynn talked to paramount and thought they shouldn't be suing fan movies um i personally think there's more to it than just saying they were suing a fan movie but you know um that was a it was a weird setting for JJ to make that announcement. It was almost like an offhand comment, but you don't make comments like that offhand. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So that, that was a little bit weird, but it was, you know, it was neat. Um, They played a uh, Star Trek beyond like behind the scenes video. That was kind of cool. So, and then, um, then JJ and Justin left and then they brought out, you know, um, Kirk, um, McCoy and Spock, you know, uh, Zach Quino, uh, Chris Pine, and Carl Urban. Um, and they uh, they took some questions from Twitter and a couple questions from the audience. Um, one thing I remember specifically they said that I thought was interesting, I don't remember who it was, I think it might have been Quinto, that said, because um, someone asked, like, what was, it, what was different about shooting this movie versus the other ones? And he said, you know, the, the first two they shot in L.A., so or maybe it was Carl. It was Carl Urban because, you know, he's not really an L.A. guy. Um, the first shot in L.A., so he said, like, at night, everybody, you know, they went to their homes and they went, they hung out with their usual friends and stuff. But this one they shot in Vancouver, so they were kind of all foreigners, basically. So at night, all they could had to do was hang out with each other, which I thought was interesting. So they said they all got a lot closer on this movie than the, other, than the first two, which was which was cool. Um and then they, and by the way, when I showed up for this, literally the only thing I knew that was going on was that they were going to play us the Star Trek Beyond trailer. And I had an inkling that Justin Lin was going to be there because they had said in the invite, be sure to follow Justin Lin on Twitter, you know. Um, so I had no idea. Even just walking in and seeing a, you know, a mini pseudo recreation of the bridge was was cool. You're like, well, <laughs> you know, it's like, wow. Um, and the, the whole evening, it was just, you know, just getting bigger and bigger and cooler and cooler and they kept piling on and we had no idea any of this was going to happen all right so then they bring out scott manns um a journalist slash star trek nut who i've seen lead plenty of panels at wondercon comic-con really cool guy 
Um, and he instead did, did some trivia questions. And they literally gave away props from the movie <laughs> to the people who got these trivia questions correct. Like, like one of them was, um, I mean, it seems dumb, right? But one of them is like, this is Kirk's mug. This is the actual mug Kirk has in the movie. And you're like, okay. Then later on in the evening, we watched the Star Trek Beyond trailer. There's like a shot of him with the freaking mug, right? <laughs> or was it, was it in the trailer or, one of the, or, or maybe it was in the, the clip they played us from the movie? Either way. It's like a close-up of this mug, and they just gave it to somebody. Anyway. Um, all right. And then they played a pretty touching video uh, about Leonard uh, Nimoy. And then they asked everybody to stand up and go outside. And in the time since we arrived, when we arrived, before we went in, there was this big, massive black curtain. So you couldn't see what was on the one side. But now when we went outside, the curtain was gone. It was like this huge bleacher section. And Leonard Nimoy's family, you know, his his kids, uh, wife, and some other members of his family were, were there. And then they had us all, like, you know, a few hundred people and uh, take pictures and stuff for the dedication of naming the street on the Paramount lot Leonard Nimoy Way. Um, nice. Which was really awesome. They gave us, like, you know, champagne for a toast. Oh, by the way, they gave us blue wristbands as we came in to you know if you're old enough to drink and um i don't drink but i took the blue wristband because it said star trek beyond on it <laughs> uh, so yeah i'm like well uh, yeah i'll take the wristband please <laughs> uh, no anyway. drinks just the just no drinks yeah, just, just the wristband yeah i actually did take the champagne just so i could kind of be a part of the toast but i didn't drink anyway um so they did that, and that was cool. And then they then they moved us into a different room, uh, which was like a, it was like a, they had a, they had a huge massive screen set up, massive like a full on, like it, this screen would have been big even for a movie theater, huge. Uh, but there were no seats; so we were all standing, um, and looking up to the screen. And uh, they played us the Beyond trailer. Now, this is the same one that they released that night that our listeners, everybody, I'm sure you've seen by now. Um, they also played us a few scenes from the movie. Um, I, you know, it would probably be spoilery for me to tell you what was in the scenes. So, I mean, I'm, I'm, they didn't have a sign in anything that said we couldn't talk about it. I just don't know if our listeners want to hear spoilers. Probably it's stuff that, like the big thing that happens is something at the beginning of the movie that you've already probably heard. Uh, and you could probably already guess from the trailers. But I won't say it just in case our listeners are on blackout, um, which I completely respect. But I will say that, and this is a general comment, so this is not a spoiler. Uh, the scenes that they played us, what was really great, you know, what I really liked was, I, I liked the first JJ movie a lot. And Into Darkness, I liked it. But it clearly wasn't as good as the first one. And somehow... With time, I've liked it less, and each time I've watched it, it's been a little bit, you know, it's more like the action is really good, and I love that incredible production value that we've never seen before in Star Trek, but the movie itself uh, frequently misses the mark. And one of the things I think that, that, I, that I missed was, you know, we went to so much trouble in the first J.J. movie of setting it up, setting up the crew and the ship and all this stuff, and, and I wanted to see, you know, I mean, they didn't really embark on their five-year mission, I guess, until the end of Into Darkness, but I wanted to see, like, daily life. And this movie, definitely, they're in their five-year mission. They're doing normal stuff. It's 
you know, this is me, Brian, as a trekker, right, wanting to live in the universe and think of it as such a real place, uh, as I say so often on our podcast. And this this movie has that. Of course, all hell's going to break loose, but the stuff they showed us, I was I was very happy about that, you know. Um, so that's probably as much as I can say without being spoilery, but, um, so then, um, oh, and they were pretty strict to try and keep people from recording any of this because they said some of the effects were temp. They looked pretty good to me. A couple shots, maybe I could see, all right, that's going to look better, but still look pretty good. They had like these things where you, you put your phone to, instead of taking your phone, they put your phone in this little cloth baggy thing that they locked, and then you got to keep it, but you couldn't get at your phone. <laughs> then they unlocked it afterwards. I've never seen that before. Then it's like, you know, I go to like those Marvel movie premieres, and they literally take your phone. Uh, so this was a different way of doing it. It was, it was cool. Anyway, so the, the – the, and, and by the way, Justin Lin came out and introduced these the scenes. I think Adam still did the introduction for the trailer, but uh, Lin introduced the scenes. Um, oh, and also, by the way, outside, whenever they dedicated that road, they had Zach Quinto say a few words about Leonard, and it was it was it was it was very nice. Um, so anyway, inside, they finish the uh, trailer, they finish the scenes, and then they say, "Now all that's left to do is party," and they drop the curtain on the right, and um, and they've got a DJ, and he starts playing, and then they've got all these costumes from the movie that you can kind of look at. They've got um, you know, Orion slave girls that you can take a picture with and stuff. Uh, cool um, turbo lift, take your picture in. Uh, t-shirt station where I got like a really cool t-shirt that on the front has like the 50th anniversary logo and then on the back says Star Trek Beyond. Um, um, but the, well, let's say the second coolest thing of the evening I'll skip to the first, and then I'll do the second. The first coolest thing was that, I mean, while, like, Quinto was walking through the crowd, I saw Pine walking through the crowd, and a lot of people were taking their pictures. And that's cool. I mean, I like those people, but, um, it, you know, wouldn't really have occurred to me to want to take my picture with them. Uh, but Justin Lin was walking through the crowd. I'm like, oh, my God. I'm, you know, that's the director, and also he's directed a bunch of other movies. Tokyo Drift is still my favorite. I know he's directed much more popular Fast and the Furious movies, but I love Tokyo Drift. Anyway, so I he kindly uh, let me take my picture with him, and uh, he, was, he had a big smile, and he shook my hand, and he was a very nice guy. Uh, so that was very cool. Uh, so that, that was actually the, the coolest thing for the evening for me. But uh, the, a very close second. I forgot to mention this earlier. Um while we were in the first panel with JJ, and I think that was when it was JJ and Justin Lin, and they said, um, just again, offhand, oh, by the way, everybody, before you leave here tonight, you're going to get an exclusive poster that is, it was, it's really cool looking. It looks, it, it seems like it's a um, reference to the motion picture poster. And this is the awesome part. And you're going to get credentials to go to the world premiere of Star Trek Beyond, which is going to be down in San Diego. Uh, just before Comic-Con starts that Wednesday night on the ocean with a live orchestra and the cast and crew. Wow, that's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, we were all crazy, screaming, excited about that. Um, Incidentally, they are going to get... Some people, some Comic-Con attendees can get into this. Uh, They haven't announced the rules about how that's going to happen. I'm sure it's not going to be easy, but 
if you're going to be at Con, Comic-Con and you want to try and go to the Star Trek Beyond premiere, it is going to be possible. Um, you're just going to have to keep an eye on that way ahead of time to figure out how that's going to work. Um, um, oh, and one last thing. So then after, you know, there were like, there was like food and drinks and all this stuff. And it was really cool, you know, and, and the whole, the whole night I'm just, I just keep thinking, well, how is this, they obviously put so much time and money into planning this. And I just kept thinking like, I'm, I mean, of course I'm eternally grateful that they did all of this. This was literally of all the things like this I've done in my life. This was the coolest one by far ever. Even if I wasn't a Star Trek fanatic, I would have said this. Um, I did feel frequently, how is this worth it to them? I don't know that, but I'm so glad they did it, right? Hmm. There was one final thing um, after I came out and I got my swag and stuff, which had some other cool stuff in it, by the way. Um, um, they had like this van where they do this, they have this thing they're calling 50 and 50. So they played us some videos of this earlier in the night too, where they have like celebrities spend 50 seconds talking about Star Trek. And this is for the 50th anniversary. So that's where the 50 and 50 comes from. Um, and you could go sit in the van and it was like professionally recorded. So you could do your bit. And I actually did. I, I did a little, my own little 50 and 50, um, but it was neat. Um, and then my friend and I went in and took some pictures in that little, pseudo bridge recreation room uh before they tore it down (laughs) just the two of us um so it was an awesome evening it was an incredible nutty amazing evening and i'm i'm so glad that i got to be a part of this i'm never going to forget this as long as my brain works and has any memory of anything i'm going to remember this amazing night um and let's face it They've got the Star Trek fans, don't they? I mean, all Star Trek nuts are going to go see this movie. Uh, and that's who this was for. So I don't, you know, I'm not sure I understand why they did it, but I'm so glad that they did. And I don't I don't know. Is that, that's, I guess it feels like I kind of covered it before we talk about the, the trailer. Uh, was Any questions? Does that all make sense? Did I skip over any? I mean, does it feel like I skipped something? No, sounds like you went through the whole gambit of the evening. It sounds like a, quite a fun evening, Mr. Brian. Yeah. A little bit jealous, actually. Yeah. <laughs> well, ch- so check out our Twitter page. I put that picture. I put a couple pictures. I put the pictures when I first arrived, and I think I put the Justin Lin picture on there. Um, all right, so uh, what did you think of the trailer? Uh, Steve had to leave. So he's not here for this discuss this quick discussion here. So it's just Adam and I. But um, he'll be back for the sign off because we already recorded it. That's confusing, isn't it? Um, so, <laughs> um, Adam, what would you think of the new trailer? Um, I like the new trailer. I kind of thought it was, um, yeah, I kind of gotten. I, I think we can all agree that the first trailer um, wasn't all that all inspiring. It was just kind of like a lot of action clips. Yeah. Um, which kind of leads you, you know, you were talking about the second movie, Into Darkness. Um, you know, I, I've made my opinion clear about it. I think Into Darkness is a good, entertaining movie. I just think it's a bad Star Trek movie. So um, I think this next movie will do pretty well. I hope it's I hope it's a nice balance between the two. I hope it's a movie for um, Star Trek fans. And then I also hope it's a movie for all the new fans that the that JJ has brought into the Star Trek universe. So, um, I can, like I said, I can respect that. I know a lot of young people who really enjoyed, um, 
into darkness and they really dig the new star Trek and all that. And they, they're no clue of, you know, um, Shatner, Nimoy, or even, mm-hmm. um, Picard, you know, their, their recollection of those things are just like little clips and stuff like that. And this is, these are younger people in their twenties. I work with a lot of people that are good 10, 15 years younger than me. And so they don't really know too much about, um, the Trek that we talk about. So, um, it's good. So I, you know, even though I bashed, um, JJ a few times and, and, specifically into darkness um i do respect the fact that it's it's brought in quite a few new fans into this franchise and that's a good thing and hopefully that'll that'll translate into the show and everything else but as far as the new trailer goes i enjoy it had emotion to it which i liked um and had you know we we see a little bit about why obviously why kirk is in or chris pines kirk is in starfleet it's vastly different than yeah than than, than shatner shatner's kirk you know shatner's kirk was Let's, more yeah go ahead um, you know, it seems like Shatner's Kirk was more, you know, like, you know, kind of like a army brat kind of thing. You know, he was he was always going to be in in Star Trek. Obviously, we didn't we didn't see that, but that's kind of the feeling that I got with um Kirk's or um, Shatner's Kirk. Um, Chris Pine, obviously, in the first movie, we see that he, like you said, he was he was dared to go into Starfleet. You know, he was kind of a bad apple, bad kid, and um, I kind of like that that they're coming back to that dynamic and they show a little yeah. bit of that in this trailer. Yeah, literally, they showed a, a couple of the clips from the first movie in this in this new trailer. Is um Hainsworth in this movie at all, or are they just using? Or do you have any idea? They... Who what? Hank Chris Hainsworth is he going to be? I know didn't he get some credit for Into Darkness? Who is Chris Hainsworth? That's um George Kirk. That's who played um his father, right? Chris Hainsworth. Oh Hemsworth, Chris Hemsworth. Hemsworth. Sorry, Hainsworth. Right, sure. uh, oh, I, I, I haven't heard anything like that. Okay, because yeah, didn't he, I'm pretty sure he got credit for the second movie. They used some some VO from from him in that movie. Yeah, anyway, yeah, um, yeah. I don't think I'm giving anything away by saying like one of the th- scenes they played us is a scene that like the it's in the trailer, but it's only a couple of lines. You know, when when uh, Kirk and Bones are talking about um, why did he join join Starfleet. Um, they played us that scene, you know, and it, it was it was very reminiscent of some of the other other movies, but not in a way where it was. I mean, it was it wasn't like that scene in Into Darkness that we that none of us liked. I didn't even <laughs> I didn't <laughs> like the the uh, Kirk death scene the first time. The first time I saw Into Darkness, that was the one thing that had bothered me, you know. Um, so I never liked that bit because it was just too much. But but uh, you know, I, I want to see the relationships done. Uh, like I'm used to seeing, but not necessarily the exact same scenes. So that scene it seems really nice in, from what they played us from the movie. Um, I hate to be such a, like, I don't know, graphics simpleton. <laughs> it's kind of what it's, I think I sound like. But, you know, the thing that I enjoyed the most in Into Darkness, which I just rewatched it recently and I felt the exact same way about, what I, I really do love the production value. I love, like, that end sequence when they're running through, the, when Spock is chasing con through the city you know and it's just we've never seen that kind of money put on the screen for any star trek anywhere ever and that is so cool and i really like that you know it's the only time we've seen a star trek movie you know on like a star wars scale ever uh and this star trek beyond trailer there are a couple of freaky city shots that you're like oh my god there's a freaky looking space station with like a bubble thing around it um i and yes i know you can get a lot more information a lot of people seem to already know what all this stuff is. If you want to look around online, you can find it. But I, I'm generally trying to stay away from spoilers, even though I watched these scenes the other night. Um, 
but that's that is so exciting to me all this incredible production value i i love that star trek is getting that and i hope that enough people go go to see it that we can get some more of that um but i i think you know i i 100% agree this trailer i think that's what i tweeted out was that's more like it you know this trailer had me much more um pleased and excited than the one we saw back in in December, I was excited simply because it was any Star Trek, you know. But it did not make the movie look good, and um, I think this one does. And not just that, but more specifically, it makes it look like a Star Trek movie that I want to see. Yeah, it definitely. Was. I guess the one thing that kind of and disappoint. I mean, it looks like the Enterprise is going to be destroyed. And it looks like um, I don't know. It looks like they have an NX model of the Enterprise in there towards the end. Oh yeah, of it. that very end. Okay, yeah, uh, people, give me, if you don't want any spoilers, skip ahead about 30 seconds. I'm going to give you five seconds to do it. One. If you don't want any spoilers at all, skip ahead 30 seconds. One. In five seconds, then I'm going to make say a minor spoiler. One. Two. Three. Four. Five. All right, minor spoiler. It's minor because... Yes, I think most people have guessed it, and I think even Jason, just Jason, Justin Lin said it in an interview. But you're correct; uh, they destroyed the Enterprise, and they showed us that scene uh, in the scenes they showed us. Um, and I think it happens early on in the movie. I think that's actually what most of the movie is: is you know they're separated and they don't have their ship and stuff. And again, you can you can pretty much glean that from the trailer. And if you've read the interviews with Justin Lin, you would have figured that out but um okay we won't talk about that anymore because it's probably we're almost at 30 seconds in case somebody decided to skip ahead but uh yeah yeah so i mean i guess that's one thing that i've kind of been disappointed about um jj's movies especially into darkness they beat the holy yeah, hell really, out of it and yeah, i think they it's nearly destroyed the, it i think it's the only the the second movie that the enterprise didn't fire a shot in and the other one was Star Trek four, where it was only in about 30 seconds of the movie. Um, and I'm not saying like, you know, oh, I need the enterprise to be all this big character and this big thing, but I don't really feel like there's an emotional connection with the characters to the ship. Like there was in, um, with the original cast and series, even in any of the other. Yeah. I mean, and yeah, I, Jim, I mean, Cisco has a, has a better connection to the defiant than, um, than Chris Pines Kirk has to his enterprise. So, well, I will also say that from this, especially from this evening, it was very clear, you know, J.J. was a producer, but it's Justin Lin's movie. You know, he, Justin Lin directed it, unlike the previous two that J.J. directed. Uh, so, you know, we are going to get a different tone. That tr- The new trailer is clearly a different tone, a different kind of take uh, than we ever saw from J.J. Um, just, you know, seeing him walk, seeing uh, Kirk walk the, the way he walks the hallways, you know. Um, I mean, it's different. It's definitely a different a tour at the helm. But I definitely so. agree with you. I'm I'm more excited about this trailer than I was. I think yeah. I told you when I went and saw. I think I went and saw. I remember it was Batman, Batman, or if it was the Avenger or Avenger, Captain America, where they showed a, They showed they were showing a bunch of the summer trailers, and they showed the. Um, they showed that same one. The same one. And I'm just like. Meh. Yeah. They, no, they should have had this trailer out sooner. No doubt about it. Hopefully that doesn't affect them too much. But I know it's going to be. I think I think it's going to be on X Men next week, or you know, when that comes out in a few days, or the day this podcast goes up. So they're going to start putting it on stuff. Thank you, folks, for spending an hour with us. And uh, you can send us an email, trekcompanion at gmail dot com. Uh, we got facebook dot com slash trekcompanion. Our Twitter handle is at trekcompanion. 
If you go to iTunes and leave a review, that's how people find us. We'd really appreciate that. Until next time, make the world a better place and take it easy. Bye, guys. See ya. I passed it.